0: What's up guys welcome back into the lacrosse bucket podcast as I mentioned on the last show which was our uh selection sunday reaction slash first round preview uh podcast um that you know going forward through the uh through memorial day weekend um through the national title games, we would just be going to one podcast a week. um, And those will be coming out every Wednesday. Um, So what do we have left? Two weeks. um, And then, you know, what we're going to do this summer, um, I'll kind of, you know, go. we'll, We'll see how things go. Um, how much news is out there? How much is going on in lacrosse? Um, you know, we do have some some news and notes to talk about here before uh, we get into this weekend's games, um, and, and, and we'll get right into that. But um, not a ton of stuff going on right now. Um, you know, coaching chaos. So we, we do have one D three. Job I do want to talk about, um, and we'll get to here in a second. But you know, I don't think that we're gonna see much of a KSL this year. Um, had a bit of one last year, maybe a bit more, maybe a bit heavier than some thought. Um, you know, there's one big, big job that I think a lot of people. Uh, are kind of looking at right now as a a possible, uh, you know, some could go down there. Um, and we'll talk about that later on this show. Uh, but like I said, one podcast per week through the NCAA tournament. Um, and then we'll scheduling wise, we'll go from there, but, um, We did have games over the weekend, as I mentioned. Well, NCAA tournament games, obviously. Uh, Heck of a first round. A lot of great lacrosse was played. We'll get to that um, in a minute. But I do want to get these two kind of noteworthy items out of the way real quick. So, um, first of all, transfer portal. Keegan Khan, senior attackman at Villanova, has put his name in the NCAA transfer portal con, you know, one of the best um, in the Big East over you know, his career there at Villanova. Um, it has been one of the top three guys offensively um, the past couple of seasons. Uh, so he he now is, uh, you know, the biggest name, I would say. Uh, him and Sean Lowey, um, senior attackman at Penn, are the two big names in the portal. Um, and then we did have a big decision uh, in terms of the transfer market over the past week with Caden Johnson goalie out of North Carolina, um, announcing that he will transfer to Ohio State. Uh, Johnson, if you remember, was the starter for the majority of that 2019 season uh, for Carolina, as well as all of 2020. Colin Krieg got the starting nod this year as a freshman. Johnson uh, entered the portal in February, and subsequently left the tall Heels roster after losing that starting job. Um, you know, he's likely going to be the starter there in Columbus for Nick Myers and company next season in 2022. Um, he is a junior this year, so um, I don't know if obviously he played I think one, he didn't appear in any games this year, I don't believe. Um, if he did, it was one or two, uh, but it was not much at all. As I said, left the team, uh, the roster, in February to enter the portal. Um, you know, so he's got, you know, what, at most two years left there, possibly, um, that he'll use at Ohio State. Um, you no, know, and when you look at the Buckeyes goalie situation, Alec Van uh, D. E. Bevogen Camp, um, who grad transferred from Furman, uh prior to the 2021 season, he's gone um, after this year. You've got Skyler uh, Walland, who you know started the first three games in cage, you know wasn't particularly you know spectacular. Um, for the Buckeyes, obviously with uh, Bovenkamp taking over as the starter for the rest of the way. So Johnson, um, you know, who was the best goalie in the portal and uh, is probably going to be the best goalie transfer um, on the market this summer, um, or this cycle, uh, transfer cycle or um, when everything's all said and done, I would expect him still to be that number one goalie transfer. Um, you know, Buckeyes pick up a big one here, and uh, you know, even though the Buckeyes do lose a bit in front of the cage, um, there, um, you know, the future looks bright with the Buckeyes when you look at some of the younger talent on both ends they had this year, and uh, you know. Be interesting to see what Johnson does there in Columbus. Like I said, I would expect him to step in and be the starter uh, right away. Now, the one um, coaching bit of coaching news I do want to get to, um, Washington College D3 um, has hired John Nostrand as their new head coach. Uh, John Nostrant, many of you might know that name. Um, legendary high school coach. Uh, he was at Gilman since 2019, uh, but prior to that, he spent 28 years at Haverford School um, there in Pennsylvania. Um, so, you know, coached some absolute legends, coached some, you know, uh, you know legendary teams, if you will, uh, 13 Interac uh, regular season titles four uh, Interac, uh tournament titles, two state titles. Um, you know, just he did, a, did nothing but win at Haverford during his time there. Um, certainly, uh, you know, had a great career there, and then um, was pretty successful with Gilman uh, the past couple of seasons. Um, so he's leaving the high school ranks, going to coach at his alma mater, Washington College. Um, you know, when you look at Washington College, um, historically, it's a pretty good program. Uh, we know the war on the shore, uh, Washington College and Salisbury is you know, one of the biggest rivalries in Division Three lacrosse. Um, you know, I, I know some would say overall um, in terms of just college or rivalries in general, um, but when you look at, you know, recently, um, certainly Salisbury, Jim Berkman has a dynasty there, has had a dynasty there. Um, they're a powerhouse, have been for some time. Um, but Washington College has really dropped off, uh, especially the past couple of seasons. Um they went two and six this past year. Obviously didn't have that historic uh, didn't have the rivalry game, but um you know, went went two and six. Um in, in the games that they did play that they were able to get in there. Um and then just looking at the at those schedules or their the records the past couple of seasons, it hasn't necessarily been Good, um, per se, uh, the past couple of years. Um, twenty twenty obviously was the shortened year. You look at twenty nineteen; they go seven and nine, um, seven and nine, four and four in the conference. Um, and when you look at that historic game, I remember that twenty nineteen game. It was still fifteen fourteen, double overtime. Salisbury win. Um, So, you know, those rivalry games are, and they were pretty competitive in 2019 overall, despite those losses. Um, But when you look at, I I think a lot of people, I do this, you look at Salisbury and you look at Washington College kind of um, together and kind of who's in front is where both should be in a sense, Um, if you get what I'm saying there. And uh, yeah, Washington College has not been particularly a strong program um, the past couple of seasons. So uh, see if Strand can re- rebuild his alma mater um, into a you know, dominant power, or back into a dominant power, I should say, in the Division Three landscape. Uh, we'll be interested to see who he hires on his staff um, I don't, I'm not as um, up to date with the D3 landscape as I am with the D1 landscape, um, so I don't necessarily know, you know who's on their staff um, necessarily, um, so if he keeps anyone on there, but uh, I do know he had Rick, He had Rick Soule on his staff at Gilman. Uh, They played together at Washington College. Is that a guy who comes with him as an assistant, a former D1 head coach, would he take that job as an assistant there with his old friend as he did at Gilman? I don't know, but uh, no no strand could could put together a pretty solid staff there um, at Washington College. So, um, you know, definitely – you know, thought that was pretty notable news there with a uh, the legendary high school coach like No going back to his alma mater. I believe he's in the um, uh, Washington College Athletics Hall of Fame, some multiple other Hall of Fames, I think, uh, Southern Pennsylvania Athletics Hall of Fame, multiple other um, Hall of Fames of that nature. Baldw- Baldwinsville, New York, native. Uh, but very, very interesting hire um, there for uh, Washington College. We'll see how that turns out. Moving on to the games from the weekend, um, I'm going to quickly go over the, sco- the scores, uh, the finals for these games, and then I will talk about a couple of them. Um, I'm not going to dive into every single one full throttle, uh, but we'll certainly talk about each one. So, on Saturday, we started with North Carolina beating Monmouth 16-4. to um, Not much to talk about there. Chris Gray dominated. Carolina dominated from start to finish. Rutgers... Then beat Lehigh 12-5 in the second game of the day. Notre Dame beat Drexel 10-8. And Georgetown beat Syracuse 18-8. On Sunday, we had Virginia take down Bryant 13-11 in a hard-fought battle. Maryland beat Vermont 17-11 in the Bernhardt. Bernhardt-Bowl, as I'm calling it, um, and many others are as well. Duke beat High Point to 16-10, a lot closer than that. I think it was a um, 20-something to like 9 uh, regular season game. And then, um, you know, the nightcap on Sunday, the game of the first round, Loyola takes down Denver. 14 to 13, and your quarterfinal matchups are officially set. Now, going back through these games here, um, mentioned Carolina Monmouth was a dominant win for Carolina. Not going to mention too much about that one. Um, But the rest of these games were, were pretty good. Um, you know, Duke High Point was a dominant game for the most part. High Point kind of came back there late, um, and and made it what it was. Um, and, and thought they played pretty well early on, kept it close, but Duke eventually took over. Um, and then Maryland, Vermont was a similar scenario. Uh, Maryland went on a um, trying to find. Uh, I think it was a. Yeah, they were up. Yeah, five goal run it was uh, to get up seven to two early in the second quarter. Um, you know, Vermont was able to cut it to five to eight um, early in the third, which is a three goal game. But, um, you know, Maryland kept their foot on the gas, outscored Vermont nine to seven in the second half. Um, you know, Bernhardt with six goals and one assist um, to lead the way there. Um you know, Jared Bernhardt. And then, obviously, we had, you know, Jared Bernhardt for Maryland, uh, you know, 12 finalist um, there. And then you have Jesse Bernhardt working the sidelines as an assistant for the Terrapins and Jake as an assistant for Vermont. So, it uh, truly was the Bernhardt ball there in Maryland. But outside of those three games, Maryland-Vermont, Duke High Point, and Carolina Monmouth, um, it wasn't necessarily a blowout scenario in every game. Um, and even Rutgers-Lehigh, which was 12-5, to um, which I, I guess... I've had some people tell me that's a blowout. Um, yeah, it's a seven-goal win. I guess you could call that a blowout, but um, you know it's definitely more of an interesting one um, with Lehigh being the number eight seed there. Um, with they number seven? It doesn't matter anymore, but with Lehigh being the seeded team um, and, and Rutgers getting there first, win in the NCAA tournament since 1990. And, uh, you know, that's the game we're going to start at here, kind of going in depth on. So, um, Mike Sisselberger for Lehigh goes 79% at the dot. However, Rutgers gets the win. They down the Mountain Hawks 12 to 5. Um, you know, we saw a very, their first NCAA tournament win since nineteen ninety, as I said. After, you know, what was a opening, you no know, period of just back and forth play, a lot of defense. Um I thought, you know, Rutgers defense in this game, despite Sisselberger dominating the dot, Rutgers defense, which was anchored by a 17-save game from Colin Coast, won them this game. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Um, This was an amazing outing from the Rutgers defense. Just full full throttle the whole way. Um, They held Lee high. To the least amount of goals since their 4-3 loss against Hofstra in February of 2020. So in two years. This is the least amount of goals that Lehigh has put up in two years. Collin Coast, 17 saves. No, he's the hero for Rutgers. He's the hero there in Piscataway. Um, there. Phenomenal outing from him. And when you look at, you know, guys like Joe felix Bullet, those polls, they played phenomenal as well. Um, offensively, Kieran Mullins, five points on three goals and two assists. Charlene Beatty's had three goals and one assist. Coast had three goals. This Rutgers defense fueled, um, and they kept on referring to it as they got to NASCAR level, and then, and then it was funny in the post game. Um, you know, remarks on, on the broadcast that they kept on. Uh, you know, Coach Black and, and the players all said, "No, we didn't get to NASCAR today, um, but we were pretty damn, pretty dang close to it." Um, this is a Rutgers team that, obviously, we saw them lose to Maryland twice in the season. We saw. Them have some defensive struggles against some really good offensive teams. Now, I do want to mention for Lehigh, for Lehigh, Tommy Schelling was out for this one. The top offensive guy, top goal scorer. Okay? If Tommy Schelling is in this game, is it as is it as is it a 12 to 5 win for Rutgers? Does Rutgers even win this game? if Schelling is in this one. You know, that's a hard question to answer. It's a very, very hard question to answer. And, you know, that's kind of the thing that a lot of people have asked. Would that have made a difference? You know, I don't necessarily think so. um, Because I think this Rutgers defense, they came to play... Uh, you know, Gene Felix, uh, Russo, Bullet, they came to play. And Kirsten Cage, they came to play. And they weren't going to let down, and they didn't. Um, so, honestly, when you look at how well that defense played, I don't necessarily think that having showing would have been that big of a difference. But nonetheless, impressive one for Rutgers. They go on and they will play. Who they play? They play Carolina on Saturday. Um, That is gonna be a very, very tough battle for them. Um, But it'll be it'll be a test. It'll be a test for sure. And after what I saw, you know, Carolina kind of breezed past Monmouth Rutgers. They had you know. The final score may have suggested that they breezed a bit, but they didn't. Lehigh was in it, fight until the end, um, and they're a tough team. So um, that that one, that, that second-round game, I think the Carolina Rutgers is going to be very, very intriguing. Now, the Notre Dame-Drexel game, this is the one where you know, you had a lot of people on upset alert. A lot of people on upset alert. However, it didn't turn out to be that way. Um, this was a tight game. Credit to Drexel. Credit to Notre Dame. Both teams played phenomenal across. Both goalies were phenomenal. I think that's the story of this game: is the in cage. These defenses, led by the goaltenders Liam Entman for Notre Dame. Ross Plumthall, Phil Drexel, these guys played fantastic all game. It's a full throttle defensive battle here um, out in Denver. And you no, know, if it wouldn't have been for a a, a you no know, one nineteen left Wheaton Jack and Wheaton Jack Boys with the go-ahead goal. Um, you know, that goal came off a crucial call. Um, you know, Drexel had a short stick defenseman, was called for interference on a ground ball following a Blumthal save. Irish are giving the ball back. Jack of Boyce puts it in thirty one seconds later. Ends the stalemate. I mean, these teams were going back and forth. It was 11 straight minutes. 11 straight minutes from when Reed Bowling tied this game, tied this game, to when Jack of Boyce put in that go-ahead goal. And mind you, the Irish had gotten up, um, you know. I should have gotten up you know, pretty decently, I, I would say, early on in this game. Um, but Drexel was never out of it. And, you know, they went on that 5-1 run. They c- To come back from down 7-3 to three at the half, tie things up at 8. Their defense stands tall. Plumthol is, is doing everything he can in cage to keep this thing on track to keep his team in this game. A heck of an effort. It's an unfortunate call. It's an unfortunate ending for uh, a very good team in Drexel. Um, And and Notre Dame Dame moves on. And they get to play that home game, um, the quarterfinals there on Saturday, where uh, they will play Maryland, who just talked about a little bit ago, you know, did, did 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 what they needed to do, took down Vermont. Um, so we got a Notre Dame a Notre Dame Maryland game, which I think will probably be for you no. Know, when you're looking at these second round matchups, quarterfinal matchups, that's the one I'm circling as probably the most hyped up, if you will, coming into to Saturday. So, um, heck of an effort. In Cage from both teams. You know, you had Kyle Gallagher, Charlie, Charles Leonard, really dominated the faceoff dot. Uh Jamiah Kota did not you know, do much at all for Drexel, um, and he had been for the past couple of games. Um, again, battling in Cage, uh, excuse me, lead battling uh, offensively for Drexel um, was the man Four goals in this one. Um, you no know, Jack Jack Boyce, that final, uh, go ahead goal was the hat trick for him, um, for the Irish. Um, so two, two great teams. I mean, it was a heck of a battle. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole, should that, you know, call have been made, you know, yada, yada, I'm, I'm not going to get into all of that. That has been beaten to death on social media. If you want to talk about that, you can, you can go talk about that. I have at it, but I'm not going to get into all of that there. Um, but nonetheless, it was a heck of an effort, heck of a ball game. Uh, props to both teams, but uh, unfortunately for Drexel, uh, it's the Irish that move on. Moving on to our next game here. Um, actually, I'm going to talk about this game last. I'm going to talk about this game last. So, um, Let's move on to Virginia and Bryant. Because this is a game that I had actually picked Bryant to win. And they nearly did. They nearly did. So, the Bulldogs, or I should say the Cavaliers, pull out the 13-11 to 11 victory. Um, as they continue the title defense, if you want to say that, uh, Virginia, the 2019 national champs. But before we get into the uh, Cavaliers, um, I mentioned this was a heck of a game for Bryant, and I got to give Coach Pressler and his squad, um, a, a round of applause here, you know. I'd picked Bryant to win this game because I sincerely thought they had the dogs to do it. And it looks like they did. Um Virginia just sparked a comeback. Um I mean you had Bryant, you know, you know Peter Garno, it, it's 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 a three goal game. Uh Bryant went on a three goal run. Um, you know, to end the second quarter, tie things up at six. Uh, Peter Garneau follows up with one of his own, make it a 7 6 game at the half. 7 6 game. I mean, this thing was neck and neck, really, the entire first half. I mean, I think Virginia, if I'm not mistaken, had a couple, um, had a couple, uh, goals there to start the thing off, but, um, No, Bryant was never, they never trailed by more than three in the first half. And uh, that three goal run made it a one goal, helped make it a one goal game, almost a tie game at the half. And, And Bryant puts together another three goal run in the third. And this time they don't only tie it, they don't make it a one goal game. They take the frickin' lead with five minutes left in the contest. I mean, they take a frickin' lead to take this game over. However, when you are playing a team like Virginia, you cannot take a playoff. Cannot take a second off. If you do... They will bite you, and they will come back. You won't even have time to blink. And that's essentially what happened here. Virginia, a game crunching five-goal run from the 124 mark in the third through the 318 mark in the fourth. So Bryant literally only had the lead for what? not even a full five minutes of this contest. But again, heck of an effort from the Bulldogs. Um Virginia, that offense caught fire and you no know, late right in the game here. And they were able to uh take over and and, and get the win. Um and, and look when you look at, at 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 the different stats here, I mean this is not a um you know, and it was uh, Matt Moore, Connor Schoenberger uh, kind of sparked that comeback there for uh, the Cavaliers. Um, each had five points off two goals and three assists uh, to lead the Virginia offense. Laviano had three goals, uh, I mean, three points off two goals and an assist. Alex Rode. Uh, was absolutely peppered by this Bryant offense who had the ball quite a bit with Jacob Alexander going 16 for 27 at the dot. Um, He's been one of the more impressive uh, face-off guys outside of Zach Cole um, in the NEC this year and one of the best freshmen at the face-off dot in the nation this year. Um, He did wonders on Saturday Neutralizing PD LaSala. Um, I think La yeah, LaSala went 31%. And they pulled him, put in Braun, um, who uh a freshman as well. Gable Braun, they put him in. And uh he he did okay. Um six for eleven, but um Jacob Alexander, you know, hats off to him, did a fantastic job. Um, and then you look at Logan McGovern. Um, who you know was fucking amazing. Um, there with uh, three goals and an assist. This Virginia defense, you know, I mentioned you had Rode with eighteen saves. Um, kind of anchored that defense. Um, he he was peppered a lot, took a lot of shots, but made those eighteen saves. Made them when they counted. Um, and when you got McGovern, uh, Gunninger and Overwork. You know, shooting on you and look O'Rourke didn't even get a goal until I believe it was the second quarter maybe the third but they held him without a point for uh you know quite some time in this game Um, so we're able to shut him off after you know he had been having just these outstanding games since coming back from a uh, myocarditis uh, in late April I mean he comes back six goals six goals. 4 4 1. I mean, and again, is Virginia a tougher team than Sacred Heart, LIU, Hobart, and St. Joseph's all around? Absolutely. But when you got a player putting up those kinds of numbers against anybody and you're able to shut him off uh shut him down, if you, it's probably a better use of terms, uh, use of words there. Um, that's an impressive performance there. A very impressive game from the Virginia defense now they will go on and play Georgetown in the quarterfinals uh, so we got that one coming up there and you got load coming off a big one and uh well McElroy didn't really need him that much um against the Georgetown game and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, another goalie who absolutely stood out this weekend. And uh, y'all already know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Sam Schaefer. 16 saves, including one of the, probably the best save, if y'all remember what I'm talking about. Hold on. I had to get a drink real, real quick before I talk about this. My thoughts together here. This save that Sam Schaefer made to win this ball game for Loyola was the best save I have seen since Kyle Buschmore against North Carolina in the two thousand and sixteen title game never mind the fact that Maryland did not win that game. I know, and you know, every single person remembers that game, 2016 title game, as one of the best games of all time, partially because of that Kyle Burnmore save. This Sam Schaefer save, when I saw that, I literally had flashbacks to that game. And this save might have even been... From a technical standpoint and from an effort standpoint, might have not might not have been as good um, because it was right on the doorstep and it kind of was there already. But uh, we can debate the technicalities and all that. But um, from a, a, a standpoint of this won the game, that might have been better, to be honest with you. Um, so Schaefer obviously ends with that big save. Um, which caps off caps off the night for uh, caps off the first round um which like what a better way to cap off the first round than an unbelievable top 5 save of the past decade i mean this is a top 5 save of the past decade no in my lifetime certainly um top 5 for me This was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And never mind Schaefer, the big save that we all know. (laughs) We've all seen by now. Scott Van Pelt was tweeting about it. I mean, this thing was freaking everywhere, uh, which is great to see for the game, by the way. Um, 16 saves. Beyond that, this Loyola defense and this Loyola team Played phenomenal. I mean, they held Denver. T.D. Owen was winning every dang faceoff in this game. But the Loyola defense held Denver to just two goals in each of the first two quarters. So, a four-goal first half for Denver. I mean, and this is a pretty good Denver offense we're talking about here. Jackson Morrill, Jack Hanna, Alex Simmons, Lucas Cottinger, Ethan Walker. This is not your average, everyday college offense. I mean, this is a very good offense that Denver has. And by the way, shout out to Malik Sparrow. Had the long pole goal there for the Pioneers. Absolutely loved it. Um, you know, his game has only grown. Mm-hmm. I remember back in... Um, I want to say February it was. You, had the, you know the take Malik Sparrow off the field takes from people um, after you know, having to be you know, put in that starting role last year and then kind of staying in Fox there at LSM this year. He's really grown um, in his game. On and is now a, a potent offensive threat, you could say, now after that game. Um, but back to Loyola, man. This defense and you look at Matt Hughes, two ground balls, two cost turnovers, uh Peyton, uh, Rizanki, uh at the you know short stick defensive midfield spot, three gr- ground balls, two cost turnovers. I mean, this was a this was a game game for the ages, if you will, um, defensively. For um for the greyhounds, you. I mean, this was a unbelievable performance there, um for them just all around, and you know Aiden Olmstead offensively, you know couldn't say more about how his game has 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 progressed this year. Five goals in this one, um. You know he's been amazing these past couple of weeks. I mean, just a few weeks ago uh, against Lafayette, uh, about a month ago he had two assists. You know, he against Army and Navy in early and mid uh, April he had one goal, one assist in both games. I mean, he had hit maybe a mid-season slump, if you will, um, but he's sparked. You no, know, sparked a flame under him the past couple weeks, and he's been playing phenomenal. Um, this was an all-around effort for the Greyhounds. And look, I mean, they cut this thing, I mean, the, the Pioneers, they cut this thing to 9-7 to seven at the end of the third. And, you know, it, it was a very slow first half for Denver, but Loyola was able to uh, jump out to Pretty sizable lead there. And you no know, credit to to Denver for being able to come back. Um from I can't remember what the nine to four. It was nine to four at the half. And uh able to come back from that six point third quarter, which is a huge period for the Pioneers and for Loyola to be able to hold that. Uh, hold hold off that run. When you looked at a guy like T D Irwin, uh Alex there there is that number two, and they're winning almost every dang face off. Um and you know, uh, this is this game has kind of in in the Rutgers Lehigh one has kind of sparked a debate of again, uh, which is always there, but it kind of emerges you know, in the mainstream and kind of goes back into the depths, if you will, every once in a while. What's more important? A dominant goalie? A dominant face off man? Um, you know, if you have one or the other, you know, which is more important? I think this weekend, uh, the goalies won in that battle, obviously, uh, with Irwin and Sisselberger doing their thing, but their teams not winning, uh, due to great goalie play. Um, And that's really all you can say here about Sam Schaefer, about this Loyola win. Obviously, Olmstead continues to play well. And I feel like this Loyola offense has, I I mentioned in in the Bracketology show, that they had clicked, that they had clicked. um, And they continue to do so. So uh, props to Loyola. You know, they have got a... Who do they play? They have got a big one this weekend against Duke. Um, I think we all remember the last time that Loyola played Duke, though. I'm, I'm, I'm not making a pick right now, but I'm just saying. I think we all remember the last time that Loyola played Duke in the NCAA tournament. What happened there? Now, there was a man named Pat Spencer... On that Loyola team. Which. No longer have that. Um, But. uh, And by the way. That's the last. Looking at the history here. That's the last win. Loyola has. Over Duke. Was that 2016 game. So. um, Yeah. Had some close ones. Since then. Um, But that 16-11 game. Was the last is the last win, um, for, Loyola, over Duke uh, last year was a thirteen to ten Duke win so uh, tight one there, um, and the way both these teams are playing right now, um, I know we didn't talk much about Duke because they kind of rolled, um, but uh, the way both these teams are playing right now, it's gonna be one heck. Of a battle, um, I would expect on. Point out the bracket here. Is that on Saturday or Sunday? That is on the 23rd. Yeah, so that's on Sunday. So, Loyola Duke. Um, the last game I want to talk here about before I make my predictions here um, for the second round. Um, my, first of all, my bracket's already busted. I picked Lehigh, I, like, and, and that was one I had gone back and forth on that. Lehigh, let goose, Lehigh, let, Lehigh, let Goose. Um, I picked Lehigh, but whatever, it is what it is. And then I picked Bryant as the upset team. Almost got that one. Um, for a minute, I thought, I thought Drexel was going to make me look stupid for not picking him. But, uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame held off. <laughs> On that one, I did get the Loyola pick right, though. Um, so, everything else I, I got right besides Virginia and Rutgers. Um, but, uh, you know, two uh, two good teams at that. And, and you know, setting up a exciting-looking second-round quarterfinals, whatever you want to call it. Um, the last game we got to talk about here. Georgetown, 18, Syracuse, 8. This was the nightcap on Saturday. Um, Hold on one second. Take a little drink there for a second. Um, Look, I, I honestly did not necessarily watch this whole game. I wasn't, like, tuned in the whole game. Um... Obviously, the Georgetown midfield is the better of the two midfields. Um, you know, I had some people, you know, message me and say, "Hey, you, know, you were wrong about Syracuse. You said they were the number two team in the country coming into the season. You said they had the best midfield coming back. Yes." But I also noted that that midfield list was based on returning production, not necessarily talent. I looked at which midfields had the highest percentage, per se, of returning production from last year, and Syracuse did have the highest producing midfield, coming back I don't think any of us even those who don't like Syracuse, even you Syracuse haters, I don't think anybody saw this big of a drop coming from them and I said they should not have been in this freaking tournament, you put Army in this thing and for whatever reason name name recognition TV ratings, I don't know. The committee decides to put Syracuse in this thing, and they get embarrassed on national TV and what is possibly John Desco's last game as the head coach of Syracuse. I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to sit up here and call for a coach to be fired, but you can go read the article in Syracuse. I think it's Syracuse.com by Brent Axe. Um, his little opinion piece he did over there. Um, it's something about it's time for change at, at Syrac- for Syracuse lacrosse. I agree with him. It's, this is a freaking mess. If you're a Syracuse fan, Syracuse alum, you should be embarrassed. Um, this is absolutely disgraceful for... You no, know, this... Syracuse is... Excuse me. Syracuse is going down the rabbit hole now. They're going down the path now of becoming the Nebraska of college lacrosse. They are. They just are. Nebraska, Texas, whatever you want to say, college football-wise, they're becoming that of college lacrosse. Tennessee, I I don't think Syracuse fans are that delusional, though. Um, They're becoming that, though. The, the once-proud program that is at the bottom. They're at the bottom of the ACC. They're at the bottom of the NCAA tournament. Frankly, they shouldn't have even been in the NCAA tournament. They've lost three times in a row in the NCAA first round. They have not done that, I don't think, ever Um, in the history of the NCAA tournament lost three times in a row in the first round. So for many, it is certainly kind of a doom and gloom view of Syracuse right now. And look, again, I'm not one to sit up here and call for coaches to be fired. I'm not one to sit up here and... Say, I think that coach is gone at the end of the year. I think that coach is gone at the end of the year. But if you're looking around the college lacrosse landscape, the one program that everyone is pointing to, that there may be a change at the D1 level, it's Syracuse. Whether it's a retiring, whether it's a parting of ways, however you want to put it, put it, I think John Desco might have coached his last game that might not be you know, that might not come true he may be the next year but certainly as things look at, look right now, there certainly is a possibility for some change to be made there um and you know, that opens the floodgates for a lot of different. Opportunities there at Syracuse. Um, they've got talented players, no doubt about it. They've got some good players offensively, defensively, you know, for next season, gotta tighten up. Gotta tighten up. And, and, and that, Georgetown, you know, we've been talking about Syracuse here, but let's talk about the team that actually won the game. Uh, Georgetown, I mean, That midfield is phenomenal. They played fantastic in this game. I mean, they exposed. You look at Declan McDermott, Dylan Hess. I mean, they absolutely, Graham Bundy Jr., they exposed the Syracuse defense all night long. Dylan Hess with four goals in this one. McDermott with five, and then Jake Carraway leading things from the attack spot with five as well. Um, James Riley goes 50%. Um, you know, Fop and Varello weren't necessarily terrible, um, but they, you know, Fopp was definitely not Virginia level. Um, you know, him dominating those two games was certainly not that Um, on Saturday, McElroy had 10 saves in cage. Thought he played well. Thought this Georgetown defense, Gibson, Smith, and company, McElroy, uh, played well. They absolutely dominated Syracuse. Um, absolutely dominated them. Um, they really stepped on the brakes and... And never looked back. And uh, Georgetown, uh, we knew coming in this season, was a very, very good team. A team that has the capability to get to championship weekend. That just might be how things shake out. Um, obviously, they got to go through Virginia on Saturday. Um, yeah, Saturday. Got to go through the first. Uh, They'll be the first game, actually. On Saturday. So uh, the Hoyas got to get through. The Cavaliers. The defending champion Cavaliers. Uh, if they want to get back. To. Uh, championship weekend. Which I don't believe. They have ever done. This is their first. Um, quarterfinal final appearance. Since. 2000 and. 2006. And. Um, When they made, yeah, they went quarterfinals, 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 like five straight years in the 2000s, Uh, 2002, 2007, quarterfinals each year, get to uh, the quarterfinals in 2000. They did make the championship weekend there in 1999. They did make the semifinals in 99, uh, losing to Syracuse. In that one. because you know, Coming in that game gave off a lot of... The matchup, I should say. Gave off a lot of... Uh, 1990s, early 2000 vibes. So... Um, Georgetown looking to get back to... Championship weekend... For the first time since 1999. After dominating... The... Syracuse Orange... On Saturday. Um, now... Moving on here, you know, while we're talking about the quarterfinals, we'll end the show here today on uh, my quarterfinal picks. So, um, my predictions for this weekend. Um, Mentioned, didn't pick all these teams to be there, uh, but this is what we got, and it's going to be a fantastic weekend of lacrosse. um, No doubt about it. So, I'll just go and order based on when these games are played so um we're gonna start with uh, you know what i'll go top of the bracket to the bottom of the bracket i'll go like that so um at the top of the bracket we've got number one north carolina playing rutgers i like what both these teams did on saturday obviously uh Rutgers, I think, are the more impressive team on Saturday, if you will. More impressive win, I should say. Um, as, you know, there were people that that was one of the matchups that people were kind of unsure about coming into the weekend. Uh Lehigh Rutgers, uh, the Coast Bowl, if you will, um, with the three Coast brothers involved there. So um no, I think Rutgers had a bigger task on Saturday than Carolina. Um, does that play into their favor, give them some more motivation? I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm going to pick the tall heels in this one. I'm going to pick the tall heels. I think when you look at what, what Carolina has on both ends of the field, and I know the faceoff dot didn't really matter, for Rutgers on Saturday. Um, but when you look at what Krieg has done in Cage, and then you've got Tyler and Tucci, you know, you've got, you know, two of those bases covered. Great goalie, great face men. So you've got those two X factor positions is what I like to call them specialist positions covered. I think they're inherently probably better than Rutgers at both of those spots who have been this season. Also, this will be Rutgers and, you know, really the Big Ten, this is the first ACC play they'll see this year uh, with Maryland playing Notre Dame as well. So th- this is going to be an ins- interesting one. I-, I think it's probably going to be a close game. I think both these teams play similar styles in terms of they like to go fast. Um, but when you look at what Carolina has with Chris Gray, with how that midfield has developed this season, I think they've just got more there on both ends than Rutgers um, from a talent perspective. I'm taking Carolina in that one. Now, number five, Georgetown, and number four, Virginia. Certainly, Virginia had to hold off an upset on Saturday while the Hoyas just kind of rolled straight through Syracuse. I'm probably, you know, this is probably for me one of the more difficult ones to choose. Certainly one of the two more difficult ones to choose um, this, this weekend. And I honestly think it could possibly be a coin flip because you look at both these teams, both, you know, Georgetown, I think, has the much better defense. Uh, Virginia, you know, their defense has gotten consistently better as the season's going on. sawstat was amazing. On uh, Saturday, you've seen College and those guys really step up. Load has been good. But Georgetown, I think, overall, probably has a better defense with Smith and McElroy. Um Offensively, I think both these teams are, are a bit similar in the way they play. Um, I think Georgetown certainly has that edge at the midfield. Um, over Virginia, you know, when you look at the face-off dot, you know, certainly PD Lasala has been a good player. Um, And James Riley has been a good player. They've had their ups and downs this season. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting, very intriguing matchup at the faceoff dot this weekend. Um, I'm going to take the Hoyas in this one. I'm going to take Georgetown in this one to get to the quarterfinals and play North Carolina. We're going to get that matchup that we so wanted to get last year but was taken from us by the powers that be. Now, I'm going to take Georgetown in that one. So, I got Carolina and Georgetown winning on Saturday to advance to the NCAA tournament. In terms of the other games this weekend... Which are on Sunday. We have got number three, Maryland, taking on number six, Notre Dame. This is going to be, you know, just knowing the history of these two teams. The amount of, you know, historic games between these two teams. Regular season, post eight back when... Were they ever both in the ACC together? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Um, but these are obviously two very good teams, two very good coach teams. But I've got a rule, I've got a little rule of thumb that I always tell everybody. And while I do think this is the best Notre Dame team, probably ever. Front to back from a talent perspective, this is probably, from a depth depth perspective, this is probably the best Notre Dame team ever. I mean, you think about it, Ka- Kavanaugh, right, Jack Boyce, I mean, those guys on offense. You've got Gallagher at the at the, fa- uh, at the face-off dot, you got Leonard also there. As well, and then when you look at the no back end, certainly in cage with Entman there, but then you know in front of the cage with Kilty and Thornton. I mean, this is a and Cohen. um, This is a solid defense. And Maryland's also got that as well with May Call Grill. And then you got uh Puglisi at the short stick. Defensive MIDI department. Um you got Bernhardt Lean at offense. Got Wisnowskis that, that, that can go to work. You got Bubba Fairman. Um man, this is a This is going to be a battle like it usually is. But I got a rule of thumb that you never, never go against John Tillman. And so I'm going to pick Maryland in this one. Loyola and Duke. I've been on the Duke... I'm not even a Duke fan, never been a Duke fan. I'm from Kentucky. We, no matter if you're a Louisville fan or a Kentucky fan, Christian Leitner is not really allowed in this state. (laughs) Like, I think we used to actually, in some, like, of the counties that surround, uh, like, on the border, used to have, like, a... Some, like, actually had signs that said, you know, welcome to Kentucky, unless you're a Duke fan or unless you're Christian Leitner. Um... You know, so that's basketball. I don't really care about lacrosse. Never really have um, about lacrosse in terms of who I hate, like, whatever. Uh, I think I've mentioned before, I grew up rooting for Virginia just because of uh, the Brattons and Steel Stanwick, uh, But then also got a team, uh, Bellarmine and the SoCon, you know, 15 minutes down the road. Um, and obviously we've seen a lot of great teams come through no, across the board. I mean, Denver, Duke, Loyola's had good teams. I mean, Maryland, Carolina. I, I've I've been caught rooting for pretty much everybody at some point in time throughout my across watching career, um, if you want to call it that. Um, and I've really liked this Duke team this year. Like, I like, ever since Michael Sowers said I'm coming to Durham, I. I've really liked this Duke team. I, I've said this is a team that has the ability to win a national championship. I think Loyola, the way they're playing right now, could throw a wrench in those plans. You look at Schaefer and Cage. If Olmstead continues to do it, he's doing offensively with the supporting cast that they have, I think this is a Loyola team that can very well beat Duke. Uh, but like I said, they haven't beaten Duke since 2016. And I think it's going to be at least another year or mat- you know, whenever that matchup comes. I don't know. Will they play in 2022 regular season? We don't know that. But I think they're going to have to wait a bit longer till they beat Duke again. Because I'm going to take the Blue Devils here. You know, I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be it be a, an exciting game. I think all these games uh, have the capability to be overtime contest, um, and Loyola Duke is certainly not, you know, exempted from that thought. Um, so I'm picking Duke. You, I'm picking Duke. You, um, essentially, I'm I'm picking with my. I'm staying with my. Uh, staying with my original semifinal picks, which was. Carolina-Georgetown, um, Maryland-Duke. Um, if you looked at my Picking the NCAA Tournament article I did, like I kind of went through um, how I filled out my bracket. Um, that's that's the semifinals I had um, set up. Carolina-Georgetown and uh, Maryland-Duke. And then I think I yeah, I had Carolina-Duke in the title game with Carolina winning. I'm going to stick to that as long as, as as that's the case. Obviously got some wrong in the first round um, in terms of picks, but, you know, whatever. We had some great games. That's all I care about. And we're going to have some great games this weekend as well. As always, thank you all for listening, uh, tuning in. Again, uh, we'll be back here next Tuesday night. As well, uh, to recap the quarterfinal round and go through some you know, any news and notes um, that emerge uh, over the next few uh, next few days, next week um, in the college lacrosse realm. Until then, enjoy the lacrosse and go to lacrossebucket.com to check out all your latest news and notes from around. The College Lacrosse Landscape. Connect with us on social media at lacrosse bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Have a great rest of the week and enjoy the lacrosse.